0: America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Hi everyone, Om Shanti and welcome to The Next Normal in collaboration with America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. How are you doing? I hope you're hanging in there, keeping your heart as strong and powerful as possible. It's been interesting getting a lot of text messages and emails of just feeling how hard people are in the world. A lot of people are feeling that there's just not a lot of positivity in the world. And I get that. So life is like this. It's throwing you various balls to juggle with, to somehow dig deep inside of your soul and to respond to every situation and circumstance with love. Now, our tribe, pretty much, that's the industry that we're in. We want to re-emerge with love. We want to emerge with what's kind, what's balanced, what makes everybody happy, without tilting the scales too much of losing our principles. So where is the answer? How do we really create world peace when we first have to be the ones who maintain our peace? You could feel like you're not doing anything at all wrong. And then someone, some situation, circumstance comes and. It gives you an extra thought where you have to do some extra things. But that's all about life. That's exactly why we're all here. It's all absolutely good. Nothing's wrong. No one's wrong. Even if you feel someone is doing something wrong, it's right. And even the right that you've done, somebody thinks it's wrong. It's all good. You see what I mean? So just hang in there, no matter how tough it gets. Nothing outside of you is more powerful than your soul. I'm happy to welcome back our wonderful friend, Robert Clancy, who is a creative visionary, number one international best-selling author, spiritual teacher, and founder of SpiralShare.com. It's an online social media marketing platform harnessing the power of positive influence. His Facebook fan page, Guide to the Soul, there he shares his divinely inspired thoughts. It's now followed by nearly one million people worldwide. Robert is a featured spiritual expert appearing with Dr. Joe Vitale, Don Miguel Ruiz, Brian Tracy, Danny and Brinkley in the movie Becoming the Keys. Robert also co-hosts and produces the Mindset Reset Show, an internationally syndicated television show. and He's a weekly guest on Los Angeles KABC Radio, syndicated late night health radio show where he shares his inspirational thoughts. Today, let's welcome Robert Clancy to the next normal and America Meditating Radio. Will you keep yourself busy,
1: Robert? I'm like a uh, Type A personality, so. are some... like
0: me. I'm the same. We're like two peas in a pod, two Type A's, and may we stay that way with a little touch of B. I call
1: it AAA, <laughs> actually, you know, you can. <laughs> Why not?
0: Listen, I am somebody who believes that if the soul is so powerful. Why not bring that power into life and make the world a better place than the way you found it? Don't you agree?
1: Yeah, and I've always had my internal philosophy is anything is possible. It just takes time, energy, and whatever you put into it, but it always comes down to you have passion for whatever that is. And I recently took up scuba diving, so I mean, I was afraid of swimming, learned how to swim (laughs) about four years ago. And I actually was down 130 feet, that's about 15 stories, down in the Blue Hole in Belize from going from not really swimming to that. So, you know, anything is possible. And I've seen some amazing things down there. There's a whole nother world in the ocean. So discovery is part of that when you yeah. get out and really experience life.
0: Oh, wow. Belize is one of the great wonders of the world with their underground. Yeah, yeah I have very beautiful memories there. You know, social media has a lot of people smiling and looking really happy, like life is really perfect. And behind the smile, there are a lot of challenges. We talk a lot about our success stories, where people see our success, but they don't necessarily understand the challenges that we went through to get there. At an early age, you hit rock bottom. What were you going through at the time and what was it that pulled you out of that difficult situation?
1: Well, at the time, I was a straight A or A and B student. I was doing very well in college. You know, everything was going well in life. And then I had several friends die tragically. There were two suicides, car accidents. Then my closer friends were away, so I didn't have anybody really to rely on. And my girlfriend and I broke up, and that was it. You know, Once I got devastated from love, I was like, I don't want to feel anything anymore. And it just brought me to probably the darkest moment. I only dip my toe in what people experience, but I was at rock bottom. I know what that feels mm. like, and it was horrible. It was almost like I was having panic attacks because every time I tried to function or think, you couldn't even move forward. I was just like, I think about the loss of the friends or devastation for my relationship and everything, and it was the worst feeling. And I started drinking and mixing prescription drugs to the point where I couldn't feel anything. I just kind mm. of uh, numb.
0: Yeah. How'd you get out of it?
1: Well, <laughs> long story short, I was working in this restaurant and I actually ended up in the hospital and got out from that. And the people in the restaurant I worked with knew something was off because I was really good at masking everything until Pandora's box opened. Then they knew, OK, something's going on. But this waitress pulled me aside and she said, put your hand out like this. And I said, I did. And she puts this pamphlet and she puts her hand over it. And it's a pamphlet on prayerful meditation. And She said, I want you to go home and do this. And I don't want to see you out. I don't want to see you doing anything that you've been doing. You're going to end up killing yourself. And she gave me that 50-yard stare. She was about 24, 25 years old. Her mother had died in her arms. She was like 16 years old. And she said, this got me through. She gave me that look. I mean, I was just like, okay. And then she hugged me. I went home. And I was angry at God at the time because of all the things that had happened. So I challenged him. I said, if I don't see something tonight, I'm done. And, And have that heal me. And so I went into this uh, prayerful meditation for about a good three hours. <laughs> and I thought I saw a light. I opened my eyes and this light was shining on the wall. And I was just like, I said, oh, this is a waste. But then I couldn't break the beam of the light. I kept waving my hand in front of it. I actually walked over and it was like in this dark sphere, almost like oval in the wall. And it was light coming from it. So I sat there in my bed and I kept closing my eyes and opening them and I could not make the beam go away, I could see it either way. And then it just flashed and opened up like a butterfly and an angel had manifested in front of me. And I wish everyone on this planet could have that experience because I got to see it with my eyes open or closed. When I closed them, it looked like an x-ray version of it and then it was super sharp, so I kept doing these. (laughs) I knew why she was there. There were no words ever spoken, but this light was coming out of her onto me. And she said, this is the form I chose because this is most comfortable for you. Yeah. And I kept this a secret for 30 years, even from my family. It was in 2012 when my mother passed away on Mother's Day. And I spoke to my father that night and told him what I just told you. And I said, I can't keep this a secret. I have to share this. And I kept it a secret because I didn't want to be judged by people. I didn't, I'm an analytical person. I'm a programmer. <laughs> I've got the numbers, the ones and zeros mind. And then I had that experience. But um, I haven't had a day where I haven't thought about that beautiful moment with her. And yeah. She touched me in the forehead and it was being plugged into what you opened with is love. It's incredible. Like having the Internet plugged in your head with every beautiful thing all at once. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Then it
1: just closed and said it will unfold when you need to. And I get words. I, everything inspires me. I can see it's like God's math on almost everything. Just And I've lived like that, just with that smile that you talk about. And
0: so beautiful. I get it. I went for a stroll yesterday with the family, and we were talking about the same thing, how everyone's going to have access to an experience of divinity or God or an angel but it's a matter of which tribe, and we were just talking about some friends who are very well known and large followings, and they've had those similar experiences, that awakening. And I wonder if that's a time that we're in, Robert, if there is a nudging going on inside of many of us to awaken to that divine experience of God. And you didn't talk about it. I could, because I had a family that was entrenched in it. But it's such an interesting secret, and I wonder how many more people in the world are actually walking around with that awakening and that divine experience of God's love and light touching the soul right here. I bet this is exactly where she pointed at you, right? Because what she was telling you is, your soul, don't forget that, and your soul is what makes the decisions through your senses. So after that happened, 30 years later, did you notice how you had changed a lot of especially after that experience, what was the change that came over you?
1: Well, the first one was that, you know, she showed me I wasn't on my path, so I had to make that immediate turn. And it took about four or five years for me to step back on it. And that was this reverse climb I kind of went through. But it was all part of the process. And I was to work with youth and inspire them. And here I am, a 19-year-old, 20-year-old looking in the mirror at this space that now has the knowledge of a person from their entire life. So it's like me now looking at the kid and I'm going, oh my God, I'm still a kid, but I'm supposed to inspire kids. And I'm like, I have all this information now and what am I supposed to do? So I I volunteered. I was guided to volunteer with youth and I spent 30 consecutive years in New York volunteering with Hugh O'Brien Youth Leadership, inspiring these kids. She showed me like a rainstorm with ripples coming out and that's all the kindness that's going to come out. And now I've been in there so long that all of the leaders now that are running this conference, and they raise eighty-two hundred thousand dollars a year to put this on for another two hundred or one hundred and fifty high school sophomores that come in, are all the high school sophomores who are now growing up, who I've inspired to continue to lead this thing. So it's just been rippled out from all of this. And
0: beautiful, oh. you might have been nineteen years old, but the soul wasn't, yeah. The soul had a much more deeper impact in terms of its journey. That's something that always makes me keep staying sane on my journey of spirituality is that we really are all souls on a journey. And the roles that we play or the parts that we play, it's like a bus stop. You know, you get off of this bus stop and then you meet and you deal with a whole bunch of stuff and then you go back on, you go to another journey. And it fascinates me. You know, COVID-19 is no joke. It has certainly turned us upside down. It has impacted our lives very much. We don't know what to do, what's next. What is it all about where you're concerned? What do you think the lesson is that we are being called to learn?
1: Well, I don't look at it as a lesson. It's more of a, you have to look for the silver lining. It's always something positive in there. When my mother was diagnosed with cancer, It took the smile from her face. And this is a woman who lived her entire life with this smile. And then she had gotten dementia and it devastated our family. We were like, oh, my God, we're going to lose her, you know, not only to cancer, but now she's not going to know who we are. And what she forgot was that she had cancer. Sore linings. My reset with this whole COVID was the ability to move from New York to California. I had a big change in my life. I went through a separation in my marriage and didn't know I had a plan. I didn't know where I was going, what was going to happen, and I was able to move to California, and I've been coming out here, and I just love this area, and I'm supposed to be yeah. here, and now I get you know this beautiful light every day. <laughs> it's not these gloomy, <laughs> rainy skies anymore.
0: And the weather
1: and experiencing just more hiking and the ocean that's here and all the beautiful things. And just that change allowed me to do that. But also because not only did my marriage end, but we were business partners. So I left the business, too, so now I don't have a job. But then I was just like everyone else. Yeah. We're all in that same boat. You know, Everyone had to work from home. Everyone had to figure it out. And I felt comfort in that, that okay, you're going to be okay because everybody else is going through this. And I think it would have been weird for me if COVID didn't happen. (laughs) So those are the silver linings. But you have to look in the good of things and the connectivity. And if there is a lesson in there, it's appreciating the little things in life, those little things that you miss now, being able to run up and hug everybody, attend a big event or those things. And now you're seeing the small things and appreciation of those. And I guess that's, for me, what the biggest takeaway is.
0: Yeah, the value of the little things in life. It's so true to slow us down to some extent. And going back to the story with your mom, my mom has dementia now. And she had stopped talking about how much pain she's feeling and this and that. And now I've noticed that recently she's talking about her pain. I go, oh, my God, are you coming back? she just kind of looks at me coming back from where
1: (laughs) my mother lost her short term memory and anytime you'd speak with her it would trigger some story but it was a story from our childhood and she'd tell the same story again in gross detail and you'd hear this story maybe five six times it could be in the same week the beauty of that you know could get frustrating because you're going oh my god she's telling me that story again but now I have all these memories from her memory because she was able to access those from the dementia.
0: will process something that I'm going through to wonder what is it that I need to experience or accept. So I've been kind of navigating through that as we speak. So keeping perspective on life is important to you. Elaborate a little bit more on why is keeping your perspective so important.
1: Well, I always learn from my experiences and I was actually volunteering and it was in Schoharie uh, down. They had a huge flood in this town that I was, went down to help out with. And it was during the cleanup. And I remember seeing the water line on a two-story building almost to the second story. That's where the floodwaters were up to. And the ground had all of this like, it was almost crystalline. It was beautiful. It was just this glitter. And I was like, wow, the sand here is amazing. And they said, that's not the sand. That's all of our windows, our glasses, our plates, our china, everything from the devastation from the storm. So, of course, while we're cleaning up, going into this house, and it was all gutted from the lower, just the beams were left, and they're serving soup and everything. This person runs in. They said, oh, my God, there's a storm warning. Heavy storms are coming. Everybody starts getting jittery. And I see this little boy, and he walks out, and he's looking at the sky, and A woman came over and he said, it's going to rain. I think that's bad. And the woman said, no, actually, the farmers need rain for their crops to grow. And then he looked up again and he went, well, a penny. Changed his perspective of this thing that had devastated his life, his town, everything that he knows. And all of a sudden, he's appreciating the rain that's going to come. And those little moments when you can change perspective, you know, of, I have these words that I get, as I explain, and they're all memorized and stored as pictures. So I love this one. It's one of my favorites. Of all the journeys of life, you'll encounter valleys of despair and mountains of hope. Just note the heavens are above those valleys and the mountaintops touch them. To reach the summit, take one hope-filled step past your fear, doubt, and worry. And when I speak those words, I actually see myself looking at the valley when you're on the mountain and when you're in the valley you see the mountain that you want to climb, and both seem beautiful places, but you don't appreciate them when you're there because you can't stay on the mountaintop that long. You can't be in the valley, and when you're in the valley, sometimes you can't find your way, so you figure out, go to the mountain to see. Then you see this beautiful valley, like, oh my God, that's so amazing and lush. I should go back down there. You can't spend time in either place, but the journey is actually going through those and experiencing them, so the perspective is if you were in a hole in the valley, like rock bottom, and you're there, that's all you see is the light and the way out. So you got to climb out. If you're standing at the edge of the hole, you're just seeing a pit there. But when you're on top of the mountain, all you see is the valley. There is no hole. It's all perspective.
0: sure is a perspective, interpretation. I can see why you have over half a million people connecting to your inspirational Facebook page, Guide to the Soul. Where were you? At that time in your life when you started the page did you expect that it would climb to such an impactful outreach
1: no I was actually almost not in fear of putting it out but I thought I would get people criticize anything and all I got was positive response and it started growing by a thousand and ten thousand and twenty thousand and I was going oh my god like what is going on and I was just posting I'd wake up every day I set a goal to write one inspirational thing every week for a year, and then I thought that'd be too easy, so let's do it every day. I'd post something, anything positive, and I did it every single day without fail for four straight years. And I got messages from a woman in the Philippines. She said that she was planning on committing suicide that day. She read what I wrote and she changed her mind. I thought, what if I didn't post that day? There'd be two children without a mother. Yeah. To answer your question, it was December 1st, 2012, when I started uh, the page, and there was a horrible accident in our community that same day where two high school young people were killed. Uh, There were four. There were two couples, the boy of one couple and the girl of the other couple were killed. So both couples were broken up. Two of them were killed. The other two were in critical condition, and it was killed by a young man who was drinking, driving texting, and on drugs, and speeding You do everything, so he did, and ended up hitting their car, and I knew I'd meet those families, and I had to help them somehow work on forgiveness. I was guided in some way. I just felt strongly that to do this, and I didn't know them. Obviously, the man who did this was vilified in the community. There were 20,000 people who showed up at the arena because this was the football captain of the high school and the softball captain that had died in this car accident. And I didn't meet the people, they found me. And my words are actually carved onto the girl's headstone. And I got to visit the gravesite and they said, you described our daughter in a single sentence and we want your blessing to put that on there and you must be an amazing soul to share these words with the world. I couldn't think of a better honor or blessing than that. And the words are, when you love with all your heart, life becomes one big smile. That's it. I don't know. I just was guided to put them out there, and I still get them. I just access them now when I want to. I just clear my mind. I can see something in, in a flower or, or just the sunlight or anything.
0: <laughs> Such a beautiful story. I mean, at the age of 19, I can't believe that your life changed so much that it would turn out to be something that would save so many. When that angel touched your forehead, man, she was getting ready to use you to (coughs) save you for others. Beautiful story. Your spirit is so kind. I'm really appreciating our time together today. In your book, Soul Ciphers, there's a chapter that you've got titled called Reverse Climbs. I was curious to find out what it actually meant.
1: Well, you know, I've talked to a lot of hikers, and most don't even know what that is. And so the long story short is I ended up going to the Southwest with a friend of mine who had never been further west than Fredonia, New York, and we went out there for Odyssey. It was 3,000 miles in 11 days on a car. Saw pretty much everything you can in the Southwest, including the Grand Canyon. So we picked a trail, bright angel. You know, why not? It's got an angel in it. It can't be that bad but it's like doing class five rapids. And you start out, when I got to the trailhead, all these people look like they'd been to hell. <laughs> up. I mean, their faces are red. And I walked a mile and a half from our hotel over to the trailhead and it was a beautiful day. So I might as well experience that in the morning. And I get there and these people are just coming up and I'm like, wow, they're out of shape. And I'm just sailing down this thing. I'm just hiking down into the Grand Canyon and no problem, and I saw this little house. It looked like a monopoly piece down there, and the ants are going in it, and you see the ants coming back out. And it literally, did look like ants on a trail because that's how far the perspective was from where I was. I got about a couple hours, maybe three hours in, and I came across this sign that said, "If you choose to pass this sign and you don't have four liters of water on your person, we will not be able to rescue you or recover your body for some time." And then had the national park logo on there. And somebody wrote, have a nice day with a smiley. And if you were illiterate, it had pictures like showing water bottles and then no water and a skull and crossbones. Kind oh my of, gosh. You know. <laughs> so I look at my backpack and I have a half a bottle of water and a half a sandwich because I did not pack for this thing. And I was having no trouble. And I'm thinking this is not, no issues at all. So I passed that. About 45 minutes later, it came across a park ranger and he said yeah we lose people on this trail all the time and i'm looking on well you guys aren't looking very hard because it only goes down to that house and comes back you know the gift shop and he said well oh, that's not a gift shop that's where you get your water for the return trip and i was like oh and it didn't dawn on me that he was saying they lose people as then they die <laughs> but they just got lost <laughs> and uh so the reverse climb i discovered is when you turn around <laughs> and then you're on So I had been down maybe four hours, and I didn't get any closer to the little house down there. But when you turn around, you have an incredible set of stairs to climb (laughs) for another eight hours because it takes you twice as long to get back up.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I was out there for 12 hours (laughs) climbing stairs. I don't know if you ever climbed three flights of stairs in like 15 minutes or 10 minutes or five minutes, but doing that for 12 hours, and it's not even stairs. It's God's staircase. (laughs) got to the top I was holding both of my legs and trying to pick up my legs and walk with my head hunched over and I looked like the people I saw earlier who looked like they'd been to hell and they had (laughs) get all the way back I look over to my friend I'm like I can't believe we didn't bring the car (laughs) hunched over I get into the lobby and this woman's there and she smiles. she said you boys been hiking yeah because where'd you go in the canyon what trail well, Bright Angel Trail. She went, oh, yeah, that's a hard one. That trail, Satan's staircase. <laughs> I was like, kind of discovered that. So the point of it, is I was laying there and I thought about the people who died on that trail and how stupid I was to think that, you know, I didn't plan, I didn't have the water and I didn't listen to the signs. But then I thought about the people who didn't ask for help or the people that walked past them saying, hey, you don't look so good. Maybe you need some water. Because what happens is as you're going down, you're going into a desert and you're dehydrating slowly and you don't realize it. And then you have this choice to turn around. But now you've got twice the time to get back out. And thought about, you know, if you just reach your hand out and when you need help, you need to ask for it. Yeah, And when you see somebody in need, you need to reach your hand out. And if you reach with one hand, you may touch someone. Reach with two, you may touch two. But when you reach with your heart, you'll touch everyone. Yeah. And it was that lesson that I learned on that journey down. And I never got to the bottom. I never saw the floor of the Grand Canyon. Maybe someday I'll get there, but (laughs) definitely not on that trip. I am going to Death Valley at New Year's, so (laughs) I'm going to be hiking through there for four days, so
0: I'm bringing water, though. Good luck on that one, right? (laughs) That reminds me when I was in China, a group of us and friends, we went there, and I was speaking for Perry Ellis at the time for their staff there, so they took me to the Great Wall of China, Mm -hmm. and I remembered looking at everyone's faces when they were walking back and not one person (laughs) had a happy face. And I remember just seeing that and I was like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that walk. But for those of us who had just arrived and we saw the Great Wall of China and everybody that was in our section was like, oh my God, this is great. And there was one person who's like, I can't believe you're going to come to the Great Wall of China and not walk it. I says, yeah, I'll go a little bit, you know, but I don't know if I can go all the way. Just go. It's the only time we'll come to China. And, you know, you have to walk the wall. And we're like, you can walk it. I'll be here. Sure enough, she kind of looks at us, you guys are wimps, man, you know, and then she goes trekking like she's the tough one. She didn't come back. I knew she didn't go the whole way because it's so long. But we noticed that when she came back, she didn't look so good. Yeah, I don't have the stamina for those things. I'll leave that to the courageous ones. I'll stay in my wimp category. <laughs> you know, as we talk about the soul, our soul is the container for everything. Right? It's holding our past, our present, and our future. It is holding the opportunity for God's light and love to seep into maybe give us a moment of grace, a moment of divinity, a moment of great power. But there are times it gets a little hitched on to something or some experience, maybe of the past. What exactly is so hitches? Because you've discussed this. I'd like if you could explain a little bit more about that. We're
1: having one right now. It's these people that just randomly or somehow you connect and sometimes by chance. And they have a message for you. And you you ride their soul for a little bit. You learn something or they show you something. And I had it happen when I was six years old with this man in Jamaica, Alex the pool man. And uh, he he taught me the basic uh, swimming, but I was still afraid of water and it still stayed with me. But I was able to at least, you know, paddle my way up to the surface and was never a strong swimmer. But, uh, you know, he ended up saving my life in three times in three different ways. One by teaching me, giving me the courage to do that, and then saved me from a Portuguese man-of-war jellyfish that had stung mm-hmm. him. It almost stung me. I thought it was a balloon. And then he took me to his village, and I saw poverty for the first time. But I saw people that were happy. Yeah. And yeah. they celebrated me. They made a crown out of palm leaves from. <laughs> they presented fruit and put me on a donkey and walked me through the village around every house, singing. Jamaican Christian raid Gay hymns behind me, and I ended up going home with only the clothes on my back because I had my parents give him all of my clothes to take to the kids.
0: Wow, I love that! Such so a story of love
1: changed me because it yeah. taught me something, and those things happen all the time. Just riding this energy of someone else and being in their presence.
0: Beautiful. Well, thank you for writing mine and. I've loved writing yours. Love is so important nowadays. They have a particular island in Dubai that's called love. Arrived Miami International Airport, and it has a big thing on love inside the airport. The Beatles, all you need is love. Songs, music, movies, love, love, love. And yet there's division, there's hate, there's fear, there's insecurity, there's depression, there's anxiety. There is uncertainty the whole point of life is really to learn what love is it seems so how would you explain the power of love and why is it the thread that is needed now to hold the universe together
1: well for me love has no synonyms there are close but there's only one word and I've written 67,000 or 70,000 words trying to describe what it is. And as you said, it is the very thread that holds the fabric of the universe together. And sometimes it's the only thing that's holding your universe together. It's the one thing that is instant. Love is the only thing that also travels at the speed of light (laughs) because you can send love everywhere. And for me, it's why we're here. It's to learn what that is. And it's self-love. You have to understand that You're always loved. So why are you seeking it? To seek it in someone else is one thing, but to understand that you already have everything because you are loved, you are held by God. You know, we never see the great picture that God paints for us because we're always standing upon his canvas. And you have to trust that that image is beautiful. And sometimes you can't understand the picture, but the only thing that you can change about the picture is how it's framed and sometimes the frame is even more beautiful than the image itself for me love is just that i was shown that's why i'm here
0: yeah it's so we can power. feel that
1: you know my favorite movie romeo and juliet you know just the ultimate love story it's just <laughs> everything i've always had that in me and i don't know i've always just innately love others in some way and you know, even after being touched by an angel, I can't say it's been a box of uh, potpourri and everything's happy. The process,
0: yeah, because I think with our love, it gets a little bit distracted by the attachment. And yeah. we have mistaken attachment for love on many, many occasions, thinking that it really is. And I've noticed that for myself, I know when I'm in an attached mode, it follows sorrow or excitement. hmm and I have to kind of figure out how to keep navigating back to love and not get addicted to the excitement or the sadness because those are also very easy addictions for our personalities to be set in. Well, we're coming to a close, and I would love to get a little shout-out about your show, The Mindset Reset Show, which you co-host. And I love the one you did with the Corrin brothers. I love those guys. I love their music. They are so good. I was at a session with them a few years ago, and I go, my God, these guys are so talented. So tell us a little bit about the Mindset Reset Show, which you co-host.
1: Yeah, so uh, Lisa Winston and I started the show. She's an amazing light. Believe it or not, we've never met in person. We were on a summit together, reconnected, and we were like, we need to do something together. We're being guided. What is that? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) And we... We said, I think we're supposed to do a show or something. And so we just did. And it just happened like overnight and people came and we've had some amazing luminaries on there, just learning and seeing other perspective, all those soul hitches I've had. It's just been, as you said, the Korn brothers, just hearing them and their journey and what they do and being connected to some of these amazing people around the world has really been a gift and a blessing. We've taken a little hiatus because Lisa had some health issues, but it's coming back. So we're hoping to schedule a few more episodes. And I still have a couple more in production you haven't seen yet. So we've had some other going to release soon on the page. So Mindset Reset TV. And then I've been doing a lot with the Spiral Share and, and marketing. And I have a whole marketing side and spiritual marketing and helping other People with launching books and developing websites. As I said, I'm the programmer guy, so I both have
0: (laughs) No, I think sometimes we try to strike a balance between generating revenues to pay bills, which is a normal part of life, but to be able to find our passion in doing so. And sometimes I kind of question certain people. They go, You're not supposed to sell this, you don't go there, you should be like I go you're gonna have to earn a living. Yeah. This is the way. You know, celebrate the fact that I found my passion and I'm able to help others and also help to keep a roof over my head. You know, of course when you look at stuff like a televangelist or very, you know, well known right speakers or movers and they're in hundred million dollar homes and driving Ferraris and planes. I think about them and I go, well, I guess because they have so much cash, they don't know what to do with it. But then you think about there's so much to do in the world. Right. And then you realize no matter how great you are or how much you're moving into your greatness, desire and greed and not feeling fulfilled with that you're enough travels through everyone.
1: I had this There's an older gentleman and he kind of looked like Sean Connery. And I said, I don't <laughs> care about money. I just want to help others. And he, he looked at me and he said, Robert, if you want to help others, you better be successful because you won't be able to without that. And he told me that when I was in my early 20s. And I said, all right, he's right. <laughs> i got to go and do something.
0: You think money's not an evil. It's your consciousness <laughs> behind it that determines that. I've seen poverty as an evil. I've seen that if I can't, pay my mortgage or my rent, it's an evil because now I'm not going to be at peace and it doesn't matter how much spirituality I have, I need food, I need shelter, I need clothing. So it's not money isn't the evil, it's the way that we look towards it or in our perception or <laughs> intent in it. So what one single word saying or motivational quote you identify with the most that you can leave us with?
1: Yeah. I love these words. These are my favorite, my ultimate one that just, I love the image it paints in my head. It was one of the early ones that I had received, but it love has no walls, thus it cannot be conquered. Love has no boundaries, thus it is always open. And love has no limits, thus it has no end.
0: Beautiful. I love that. I'll take that through the whole day today. Leave us with the best website that everyone can get in touch with you.
1: It is guide to the soulcom and that has links to everything else, all the things I'm doing or inspirational pieces, other people, <laughs> Got everything on there.
0: Robert Clancy, you're an absolute gift to the world. Thank you so much for joining us on America Meditating and Next Normal. It's been our blessing. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: All right. Everyone, I'm sure that you've picked up and felt the intentionality of The wonderful Robert Clancy. Please go to his website and find out more about his work and what he's offering. And I can't wait to look at his fan page, become a fan. So as we navigate through our journeys, I say this in so many shows, I want to be stronger inside and I want you to be stronger and I want the world to be stronger. And his love the way, love, perspective, common sense, kindness, Sometimes knowing when you just have to let it go because you just can't do anything with it anymore, it might not be ready to receive your love. So give it some time until it's ready. But it shouldn't be that I lose my love because it's not doing well on the outside. (laughs) Anyway, thanks everyone for joining us. Please take care. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And I suspect we're actually all here to love each other the same. Take care. Be well. When I was asked by Sacred Stories Publishing to write a book on mystical divine experiences, initially I said, no, those are too private. But then when they came back again to urge me to do it, I said, why not? It'll be of service, because over 25 co-authors would, have, would be joining me on this journey to share their own experiences. In meditation, intimate experiences with the divine through contemplating practices, you will read stories from our co-authors of a heartfelt clarity about a father's death giving his son a new life. You will hear the story of a woman embracing her wounded inner child and healing herself. You will even hear stories about an inexplicable medical miracle and so much more. This book has a life of its own. You will learn how listening to your inner silence can help you overcome life obstacles and reclaim your spiritual power. I hope that you'll be able to dive deep into this and maybe even explore your own mystical and divine experiences for your life to change, for your life to become one that is completely full and rich of everything good. Enjoy, and thank you for looking into meditation, intimate experiences with the divine through contemplative practices. Restaurant wishes you happy holidays. Located at 6838 Piedmont in Gainesville, Virginia, we're a family-owned restaurant and offer authentic Asian cuisine and sushi. Come, savor our delicacies made with love and enjoy the perfect ambiance. We look forward to seeing you there. I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast.